Chapter Twenty One of the Visioning, a novel. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jeremiah Sutherland, Victoria, British Columbia. The Visioning, a novel by Susan Glaspell. Chapter Twenty One. Katie's memory of what followed was blurred. She remembered how relieved she was when Anne's laugh, oh, the memory of that laugh was clear enough, gave way to sobbing. Sobbing was easier to deal with. She said something about her friends being ill, and that they would have to excuse them. She almost wanted to laugh, or was a cry, herself at the way Harry Prescott was looking from Anne to his mother. After she got Anne in the house, she went back and begged somebody's pardon, she wasn't sure whose, and told Colonel Leonard that of course he could understand it on the score of Anne's being a neurotic. She was afraid she might have said that rather disagreeably, and she believed she told Mrs. Prescott she had to tell Mrs. Prescott something. She looked so frightened and hurt and outraged that Anne had a form of nervous trouble which made it impossible for her to hear the name of God. The hardest was Wayne. She came to him on the porch after the others had gone. They were not long in dispersing. Wayne, she said, I'm sorry to have embarrassed you. His short, curt laugh did not reveal his mood. It was scoffing, contemptuous. But she could not tell at what it scoffed. He had not turned toward her. I'm sorry, she repeated. Anne will be sorry. She's so... He turned upon her hotly. Katie, quit lying to me. I know there's something you're not telling. I've suspected it for some time. Now don't get off any of that nervous trouble talk to me. She stood there dumbly. It seemed to enrage him. Why don't you go and look after her? What do you mean by leaving her all alone? So she went to look after her. Anne looked like one who needed looking after. Her eyes were intolerably bright. It seemed the heat behind them must put them out. She was walking about the room, walking as if something were behind her with a lash. You see, Katie, she began, not pausing in the walking, her voice too, as though a whip were behind it. It was just as I told you. It was just as I tried to tell you. There are two worlds. There's no use trying to put me in yours. See what I bring you? See what you get for it? See what? She stood still, rocking back and forth as she stood there. It was too much for me to hear her talking about God. That was a little too much. My father was a minister, and Anne laughed. A minister was one thing Katie had not thought of. Even in that moment she was conscious of relief. Certainly the ministry was respectable. But why should it be too much for the daughter of a minister to hear anything about God? And she began quietly, I don't want to force anything. If you want to be alone, I'll even take my things and sleep somewhere else. But Anne, dear, if you could tell me a little, I wouldn't be so much in the dark. I could do better for us both. Anne did not seem to notice what she was saying. She was tired of things. She was tired of things. Tired of hanging her head on the same kind of peg. Why, it's awful. It's awful, I tell you, to always be hanging your hat on the same kind of peg. She was tired of not having any fun. Oh, so tired of not having any fun. Why don't you care what you do when you get tired of not having any fun? Then people laugh. The people who have all the fun. Oh, they think it's so funny. The people who don't have to hang their hats on any kind of peg. So trivial. So what's that nervous word? Katie, you're not like the rest of them. Why, you seem to know. Just know without knowing. But it's hard for me, suggested Katie, trying to know and not knowing. Anne was still walking about the room. I was brought up in a little town in Indiana. You see, I'm going to tell you. I've got to be doing something, and it may as well be talking. 
now how did i start oh yes i was brought up in a little town in indiana until three years ago that was where i lived were you ever in a little town in indiana katie replied in the negative maybe there are little towns in indiana that are different i don't know maybe there are but this one in this one life was just one long stretch of hanging your hat on exactly the same kind of peg it was so square so flat so dingy oh so dreadful it didn't have anything around it as some towns do a hill or a river or woods around it was something that was just nothing it was just walled in by the nothingness all around it and the people in it were flat and square and dingy and the things around them were just nothing they were walled in too by the nothingness all around them then the most unexpected of all things happened and smiled katie i'd like to have seen you in that town i'm afraid said katie that i would have invented a new kind of peg the smile seemed to have done anne good she sat down grew more natural when i try to tell about my life in that town i suppose it sounds as though i were making a terrible fuss about things when you think of children that haven't any homes that are beaten by drunken fathers starved overworked but it was the nothingness if my father only had got drunk katie smiled understandingly katie you've a lot of imagination just try to think what it would mean never to have what you could really call fun katie took a sweep back over her own life full to the brim of fun her imagination did not go far enough to get a real picture of life with the fun left out oh of course said anne there were pleasures my father and the people of his church were like miss osborne they believed it was one of the underlying principles of life only they would call it god's will that all must have pleasure but such god-fearing pleasure i think i could have stood it if it hadn't been for the pleasures pleasures with the fun left out suggested kate yes though fun isn't the word for i don't mean just good times i mean i mean you mean the joy of living said katie you mean the loveliness of life yes now your kind of religion the kind of religion your kind of people have doesn't seem to hurt them any katie laughed oddly true it doesn't hurt us much my father's kind is something so different the love of god seems to have dried him up he's not a human being he's a christian katie thought of her uncle a bishop and all too human a human being she was about to protest then considered that she had never known the kind of christian or human being anne was talking about everything at our church squeaked the windows the organ the deacon's shoes my father's voice the religion squeaked life squeaked i'll tell you a story katie that maybe will make you see how it was it's about a dog and it's easy for you to understand things about dogs someone gave him to me i suppose he was not a fine dog not full-blooded but that didn't matter you know that we don't love dogs for their blood we love them for the way they look out of their eyes and the way they wag their tails i can't tell you what this dog meant to me something to love something that loved me someone to play with a companion a friend something that didn't have anything to do with my father's church he used to feel so sorry when i had to sit learning bible verses sometimes he would put his two paws up on my lap and try to push the bible away i loved him for that and when at last i could put it away he would dance round me with little yelps of joy he warmed something in me he kept something alive and then one day when i came home from a missionary meeting where i had read a paper telling how cruelly young girls were treated by their parents in india and how there was no joy and love and beauty in their lives i anne hid her face and it was a drawn grayish face she raised after a minute tono was not there i called and called him 
my father was writing a sermon he let me go on calling i could not understand it tono always came running down the walk wagging his tail and giving his little barks of joy when i came it had made coming home seem different from what it had ever seemed before but that day he was not there watching for me my father let me go on calling for a long time at last he came to the door and said please stop that unseemly noise the dog has been sent away sent away i whispered what do you mean i mean that i have seen fit to dispose of him he answered i was trembling all over what right had you to dispose of him i wanted to know he wasn't your dog the answer was that i was to go up to my room and learn bible verses until the lord chastened my spirit then i said things i would not learn bible verses i would have my dog it ended anne was trembling uncontrollably it ended with the rod being unspared god's forgiveness was invoked with each stroke she was digging her fingernails into her palms katie put her arms around her i wouldn't anne dear it isn't worth while it's all over now wouldn't it be better to forget no i want to tell you some day i may try to tell you other things i want this to try to explain them loving dogs you will understand this better than you could some other things the dog had been given away to someone who lived in the country it was because i had played with him the sunday morning before and had been late to sunday school her voice was dry and hard it was from katie there came the exclamation of protest and contempt no one except one who loves dogs as you do would know what it meant even you can't quite know for tono was all i had he katie's arm about her tightened i could have understood it for myself i could have stood my own lonesomeness but what i couldn't stand was thinking about him nights i would wake up and think of him out in the cold homesick maybe hungry not understanding watching and waiting wondering why i didn't come i couldn't keep from thinking about things that tortured me this man was a deacon in my father's church from the way he prayed i knew he was not one to be good to dogs and then one afternoon i heard the little familiar scratch at the door i rushed to it and there he was shivering but oh so so glad he sprang right into my arms we cried and cried together sitting there on the floor his heart had been almost broken he had grieved suffered he wasn't willing to leave my arms just whimpering the way one does when a dreadful thing is over licking my face you know how they do you know how dear they are now i will tell you what i did holding him in my arms my face buried in his fur i made up my mind the family would be away for at least an hour i would give him the happiest hour i knew how to give him one hour it was all i had the power to give him then because i loved him so much i would end his life katie's face whitened i carried out the plan anne went on i gave him the meat we were to have had for supper i had him do all his little tricks i loved him and loved him i do not think any little dog ever had a happier hour and then down at a house in the next block i saw my father and the man he had given tono to the man was coming to our house for supper our time was up i can never explain to any one the way i did it the way i felt as i did it there was no crying there was no faltering it seemed that all at once i understood understood the hardness of life that things are hard that things have got to be done then was when it came to me that you've got to harden yourself that it's the only way i filled a tub with water i didn't know any other way to do it tono stood there watching me i took a bucket i took up the dog i hugged him i let him lick my face though i live to be very old katie and suffer very much 
I can never forget the look in his eyes as I put him in the water and held him to put down the bucket. There are things a person goes through that make perfect happiness forever impossible. There are hours that stay. The face of the soldier's daughter was wet. I love you for it, Anne, she whispered. I love you for it. It was strong, Anne. It was fine. I wasn't very strong and fine the minute it was over, sobbed Anne. I fainted. They found me there. And then I screamed and laughed and said I was going to kill all the dogs in the world. I said, oh, dreadful things. They should have understood, murmured Kate. They didn't. They said I was wicked. They said the evil one had entered into me. They said I must pray God to forgive me for having killed one of his creatures. Me. Of course it ended in Bible verses. Is it so strange I loathed the Bible? And every morning I had to hear myself prayed for as a wicked girl who would harm one of God's creatures. The Almighty was implored not to send me to hell. Send me there if you want to, I'd say to myself on my knees. Tono's not in hell, anyway. Anne laughed bitterly. So that's why I'm a sacrilegious, blasphemous person who doesn't care much about hearing about God. I associate him with thin lips that shut together tight, and people who make long prayers and break little dogs' hearts, and with boots and soles that squeak. I can't think of one single thing I ever heard about him that made me like him. Oh, Anne, dear, protested Katie shudderingly. Try not to think such things. Try not to feel that way. You haven't heard everything there is to hear about God. You haven't heard any of it in the right way. Perhaps not. I only know what I have heard. And Anne's face was too white and hard for Katie to say more. And your mother, dear? Where was she all this time? Didn't she love you and help? She died when I was twelve. She'd like to have loved me. She did some on the sly, in a scared kind of way. Katie sat there contemplating the picture of Anne's father and mother and Anne, Anne as child of that union. I think she died because life frightened her so. In a year my father married again. She isn't afraid of anything. She's a God-fearing, exemplary woman, and she always looks to see if you have any mud on your shoes. After a moment Anne said quietly, I hate her. So would I, said Katie, and it brought the ghost of a smile to Anne's lips, perhaps thinking of just how cordially Katie would hate her. And then after a while you left this town? Katie suggested, as Anne seemed held there by something. Yes, after a while I left, and that held her again. I was fifteen when I freed Tono from life, she emerged from it. It was five years later that you stopped me from freeing myself. Lots of things were crowded into those five years, Katie, or rather into the last three of them, I had to be treated worse than Tonno was treated before it came to me that I had better be as kind to myself as I had been to my dog. Only I, laughed Anne, didn't have anybody to give me a last hour. But you see, it wasn't the last hour after all, soothed Katie. Only the last hour of the old hard things. Things that can never come back. Can't they come back, Katie? Can't they? Katie shook her head with decision. Do you think I'd let them come back? Why, I'd shut the door in their face. Sometimes, said Anne, it seems to me they're lying in wait for me, that they're going to spring out, that this is a dream, that there isn't any Katie Jones. Some nights I've been afraid to go to sleep, afraid of waking to find it a dream. There's an awful dream I dream sometimes. The dream is that this is a dream. Poor dear, murmured Katie. It will be more real now that we've talked. I used to dream a dream, Katie, and I think it was about you. Only you weren't any one thing. You were all kinds of different things, lovely things. You were something somewhere. You were the something that was way off beyond the nothingness of Centralia. 
the something that didn't squeak suggested katie tremulously something somewhere you were both a waking and a sleeping dream i knew you were there isn't it queer how we do know without knowing my father used to talk about people being called called to the ministry called to the missionary field called to heaven well maybe you're called to do other things too maybe said anne with a laugh which sobbed you're even called to chicago the laugh died and the sob lingered only when you get there chicago doesn't seem to know that it had called you my something somewhere was always something i never could catch up with sometimes it was a beautiful country where a river wound through a woods sometimes it was beautiful people laughing and dancing sometimes it was a star sometimes it was a field of flowers all blowing back and forth sometimes it was a voice a wonderful far-away voice sometimes it was a lovely dress oh a wonderful gauzy dress or a hat that was like the blowing field of flowers sometimes this was the loveliest of all it was somebody who loved me but whatever it was it was something i couldn't overtake and you mustn't laugh katie when i tell you that the thing that made me think i could catch up with it was a moving picture show it came to centralia the first one that had ever been there i heard the people next door talking about it they said there were pictures of things that really happened in the great cities oh of kings and queens and the president and millionaires and automobile races and grand weddings that the pictures went on just like the happenings went on that it was just as if the pictures were alive that it was just like being there oh i was so excited about it i was so excited i could hardly get ready you see ever since tono had died two years before i had kept that idea that things were hard that the thing to do was to be hard i dreamed about things that were lovely the something somewhere things but as far as the real things went i never changed my mind about them you mustn't let them into your heart they just wanted to get in there to hurt you now i forgot all about that these pictures were dreams made real they had caught up with the something somewhere and i was going to see them but i didn't not that day i was so happy that my father suspected something and he got it out of me and said i couldn't go he said that the things that would be pictured would be the wickedness of the world that i was not to see it but i made up my mind that i would see the wickedness of the world Anne paused and then said in lower voice and i have and not just in pictures she seemed to be meeting something and she answered it but just the same she made answer defiantly i'd rather see the wickedness of the world than stay in the nothingness of the world the pictures were to be there a week i thought of nothing else but how i could see them the last day there was a thimble bee i went to the thimble bee said i couldn't stay and went to the pictures katie that moving picture show was proof proof of the something somewhere and in my heart i made a vow it was a solemn vow that i would find the things that moved in the pictures and there was music such music as i had never heard before even though it came out of a box they had the songs of the grand opera singers and as i listened i tell you i was called i don't care how silly it sounds i was called by the voices that had sung into that box for this was real if the life hadn't been there it couldn't have been caught into the pictures and the box it proved i thought that all the lovely things i had dreamed were true i had only to go and find them people were walking upon those streets then i could walk on those streets and those people were laughing and talking to each other everybody seemed to have friends everybody was happy and all of that really was the pictures were alive alive with the things that were out beyond the nothingness of centralia 
the man played something from an opera and showed pictures of beautiful people going into a beautiful place to listen to that very music he said that the very next night in chicago those people would be going into that place to listen to those very voices katie i don't believe you'll laugh at me when i tell you that my teeth fairly chattered when first it came to me that i must be one of those people it was something all different from the longing for fun oh it was something big terrible it had to be it was the same feeling of its having to be that i had about tono though probably that feeling would have passed away if it hadn't been for my father he came there and found me and humiliated me and after we got home anne was holding herself tight but after a moment she relaxed to say with an attempted laugh it wasn't all being called part of it was being driven then there was another thing the treasurer of the missionary society came that night with some money eighteen dollars i was to send off the next day it was that money started me out to find my something somewhere oh anne whispered katie drawing back but of course she added you paid it back just as soon as you could i never paid it back if i had eighteen million dollars i'd never pay it back i like to think of not paying it back katie's face hardened i can't understand that no sobbed anne you'd have to have lived a long time in nothingness to understand that and some other things too she looked at her strangely there's more coming katie that you won't be able to understand katie's face was averted but something in anne's voice made her turn to her i think it was wrong anne there's no use in my pretending i don't i can't understand this but maybe i can understand some of the other things better than you think i left at six o'clock the next morning anne went back to it when she was calmer and at the last minute i don't think i would have had the courage to go if my father hadn't been snoring so how silly it all sounds and the only reason i got on the train was that it would have taken more courage to go back than to go on katie sometime i'll tell you all about it how i felt when i got to chicago how it seemed to shriek and roar how i seemed just buried under the noise how i walked around the streets that day frightened almost to death and yet inside the fright just crazy about it and how green i was nothing seemed to matter except going to the grand opera i didn't even have sense enough to find a place to stay i thought about it but didn't know how and anyhow the most important thing was finding the things that moved in the pictures and sang in the box i saw a woman go up to a policeman and asked him where something was and he told her so i did that too asked him where you went to hear grand opera and he pointed i was right there by it i heard some people talking about going in to get tickets so i thought i had better get a ticket but they didn't have any they were all gone when i came out i was almost crying then a smiling man outside stepped up to me and said he had tickets and he'd let me have one for ten dollars i was so glad he had them ten dollars seemed a good deal but i didn't think much about it then i had my ticket and just two dollars left but that night at the opera i didn't know whether i had two dollars or no dollars or a thousand dollars at first i was frightened because everybody but me had on such beautiful clothes but soon i was too crazy about their clothes to care and then after the music began oh katie suppose you'd always dreamed of something and never been able to catch up with it suppose you'd not even been able to really dream it but just dream that it was and then suppose it all came no i can't tell you you'd have to have lived in centralia and been a minister's daughter my heart sang more beautifully than the singers sang now you have found it now you have found it my heart kept singing when all the other people left i left too in a dream 
for it had passed into a dream into a beautiful dream that was going to shelter it for me forever i stood around watching the beautiful people getting into their carriages and i couldn't make myself believe that it was in the same world with centralia then after a while it occurred to me that all those people were going home everybody was going home at first i wasn't frightened something inside me was singing over and over the songs of the opera i was too far in my dream to be much frightened then all at once i got oh so tired and cold and so frightened i did not know what to do my dream seemed to have taken wings and flown away all the beautiful laughing people had gone it was just as if i woke up and i was on the strange streets all alone only some noisy men who frightened me i hid in a doorway till those men got by and then i saw a woman coming she was all alone too she had on a dress that rustled and lovely white furs and did not seem at all frightened i stepped out and asked her to please tell me where to go for the night some time i'll tell you about her too now i'll just tell you that it ended with her taking me home with her to stay all night she made a lot of fun of me and said things to me i didn't understand and swore at me and told me to cut it and go back to the cornfields but i was crying then and she took me with her she kept up her queer kind of talk but i was so tired that the minute i was in bed i went to sleep the next morning she told me i had got to go back to the woods i said i would if there were any woods but there weren't she laughed and said more queer things she asked me why i had come and i told her first she laughed then she sat there staring at me blinking and what she said was poor little fool poor little greenhorn she asked me what i was going to do and i said work so i could stay there and go to the opera and see beautiful things she asked me what kind of a job i was figuring on and told me there was only one kind would let me in for that i asked her what it was and she said it was her line i asked her if she thought i was fitted for it and she looked at me a look i didn't understand at all and said she guessed the men she worked for would think so i asked her if she'd say a good word to them for me and then she turned on me like a tiger and swore and said no she hadn't come to that it was a case of knowing without knowing i was so green that i didn't know and yet after a while i did as i look back on it i appreciate things i couldn't appreciate then thank her for things i didn't know enough to thank her for at the time she was leaving that day for san francisco she gave me ten dollars and told me if i had any sense i'd take it and go back to prayer meeting she said i might do worse but if i didn't have any sense and she said of course i wouldn't i was to be careful of it until i got a job she told me how to manage and i was to read ads in the newspaper she told me how to try and get in at the telephone office she had been there once she said but it got on her nerves she told me things about girls who worked in chicago awful things but i supposed she was prejudiced the last thing she said to me was the opera oh you poor little green kid i'm afraid i see your finish but i thought she was queer acting because she led that queer kind of a life anne had paused and suddenly she hid her face in her hands as if it was more than she could face katie was smoothing her hair katie as the days went on it was just as hard to believe that the world of the opera was the same world i was working in right there in the same city as it had been the first night to believe it was the same world as centralia i learned two things one was that the something somewhere was there the other that it was not there for me the world was full of things i couldn't understand but i could understand a little better the woman who wore the white furs 
oh katie you get so tired you get so dead all day long putting suspenders in a box or making daisies or addressing envelopes or trying to remember whether it was apple or custard pie and you don't get tired just because your back aches and your head aches and your hands ache and your feet ache you get tired that kind of tired because the city doesn't care how tired you get i often wondered why i went on why any of them went on i used to think we must be crazy to be going on she was pondering it somberly wistful though perhaps we're not crazy perhaps it's a call katie what is it that call that thing that makes us keep on even when our something somewhere won't have anything to do with us katie did not reply she had no reply at last i got in the telephone office that's considered a fine place to work they're like miss osborne they believe it is one of the fundamental principles of life that all must have pleasures but they were like the pleasures of centralia not god-fearing exactly but so dutiful they didn't have anything to do with calls the real pleasures were going over the wire it was my business to make the connections that arranged those pleasures a little red light would flash sometimes it would flash straight into my brain and i'd say number please always with the rising inflection then i'd get that connection and life would pass through the cords that was the closest i came to it operating the cords that it went through there was a whole city full of it beautiful laughing loving life but it was on the wire just as in centralia had been in the pictures and in the box and oh i used to get so tired so tight operating the cords for life sometimes when i left my chair the whole world was one big red light and at night they danced dances for me those little red lights she brushed her hand before her eyes as if they were there again and she would push them away katie she suddenly burst forth if you ever do pray if you believe in praying pray sometimes for the girl who goes to chicago to find what you call the joy of living pray for the pilgrims who go to the cities to find there's something somewhere and whatever you do katie whatever you do don't ever laugh at the people who kill themselves because they're tired of not having any fun but wasn't there any fun dear katie asked after a moment Anne did not speak but looked at katie strangely yes she said afterwards differently they were silent something seemed to be outlining itself between them something which was meaning to grow there between them there came a time said Anne, when all of life was not going over the wire and still katie did not speak as if pushed back by that thing shaping itself between them you're something somewhere said Anne, very low doesn't always come in just the way you were looking for it but katie if you get very tired waiting for it don't you believe you might take it most any way it came it was a worn and wistful face she turned to katie suddenly katie brushed away the thing that would grow up between them and laid her cheek upon Anne's hair poor child she murmured and the tears were upon Anne's soft brown hair poor weary little pilgrim End of chapter 21